And it's a little bit after one o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, which means it's time for another installment of Between Two Femmes with myself, <laughs> Mabale Moloi. And me, Aspasia Karras. <laughs> now, today you're not rolling alone, Aspasia. You've got a, shall oh, I say, a geez. partner in crime. Well, I a, have a, I, I was one. <laughs> In a prize, in a competition, I was the prize. Wait a minute, slow down. <laughs> I mean, how did, what how's is, that? What is this about? What, what's she, the, the lovely fawn, say hello fawn. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> the lovely fawn who won me today entered a competition on the Marie Claire website, uh, with Nokia Lumia and she had to send us a picture of her, uh, most sensational moment. moment. Which was what, fawn? Um, I was recently in Victoria Falls, and I'd never been, and I took quite a pretty picture. Okay. So, yeah. So then you submitted the picture, and then you were the winner. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we, we got a whole lot of pictures, and then uh, an independent panel <laughs> of <laughs> photographic judges. Were you involved in the no. judging? Okay. No, that's why I'm saying independent. <laughs> I said I'm the prize. It would be wrong Yes. if I... Um, you know, also engaged in it, it there, there would be, we would be crossing boundaries. And so therefore, I suggested that the independent panel of judges choose the winning picture. And it happens to be Fawn, the lovely Fawn Rogers, who has now been um, following me around all day. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a crazy day. So Fawn, <laughs> what's it like following Aspasia around? I mean, first of all, she's a very busy woman. Yes. I'm learning that very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's your day been like with her so far? Well, um, she missed the first part of the day. Yes, yeah, I didn't realize that we... Early starts, I came to the party a bit late, and yeah. we've just been at the Banana Republic launch, um, which was, oh, which was oh, really good. Fun. Yeah, yeah, they've just opened a beautiful store. The first part that she missed was... I was shooting something for the Gauteng... What was it? The Gauteng uh, Tourism department. I had to hop on and off the car train. I hopped on and off that car train about 12 times, <laughs> except that, as you know, they come every 12 minutes yeah. or so. Yeah. And um, also what's deeply disturbing is that they don't stay long on the station. I now know this. We lost the girl with the lights at some stage. <laughs> the train closed. She left with the lights. We were like, bye. Bye, lovely girls. Yeah. See you later. She came back on a few trains later. Is this going to be an annual thing where somebody gets to win you for the day? I, d- I don't know. I don't know. It's this Lokia Lumia. Is this the first it time was, you've been a prize? It's the first time I've been a prize. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it, really. But um thankfully, Fawn is terribly nice. So now that she's won me. Okay. Um, well, Fawn, you're welcome to hang out with us um, over the next hour or so. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, a number of things. To start off with, we're going to be talking about um, Black Twitter. Which is a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> which is really like a whole international community, actually. Indeed. But, um, you know, before we get started, what, how much did you know about Black Twitter, Aspasia? I mean, did you even know that it existed? Did you understood? understand what it meant? Did I understood? <laughs> I understood it very well. No, I didn't. And that is why we commissioned Sibongile, who we've got on the line, yes, to actually just write a, an analysis, really. Just give us the lowdown, because I, I obviously see black Twitter happening in a kind of parallel universe to my general Twitter, mm-hmm. which I never really thought of as white Twitter. <laughs> well, well, this is the thing. And Sibongile, I don't know if you can hear me. Um, I know... Spongile, can you hear me? No? Okay, hang on. You know what? I've been... Okay, let me just admit this up front. I've been left alone to man this desk this afternoon for the first oh. time by myself. And so that's pretty impressive. It could very well be my fault. Spongile, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, yay! Yeah. We have liftoff. Fantastic. She's very impressive. I see her behind the dials. Yeah. She's looking... <laughs> Like a million dollars in um, charge. You know, I have to multitask now. We all, we always <laughs> preach that we can as women. Now I must prove my point. Um, Sibongile, so to somebody who doesn't know what you mean by black Twitter, to somebody who's maybe hearing that mm. for the first time, how would you explain black Twitter? <laughs> well, black Twitter for me was also a term I, I started hearing a buzz about it a couple of years ago when, when Twitter was starting to become quite popular. Yeah. And it was mostly used by kind of the Americans, the you know, African Americans on Twitter, 
uh, who, were, who were getting really popular at the time. And I was like, what is this black Twitter? I thought Twitter was one thing, you know, it's all a space where we go and uh, share our thoughts and all of that. But then I started seeing rumblings of, uh, of black Twitter in South Africa. And it's basically a space where mostly black people hang out, talk about different issues, uh, rally around hashtags. Um, and it's not only just issues around race or things like that. It's um, nostalgic things, so experiences that we all have in common. Uh, we have arguments on there. Uh, there's, it really is like, I call it the most fun part of the Internet, really, because you get really all different kinds of, of voices that are on that space. Um, and obviously, me being a black person, uh, I hang out on black Twitter as well. And it really is where you're kind of on the cutting edge of, of a lot of um, South African topics, uh, I feel. that. Here, here's my question, Sibongile. <laughs> Yesterday, when everyone was going crazy about um, those students and blackface yes. and what yes. have you, what was black Twitter's response to that? Which And how was that different to, say, general outrage? General um, one thing that uh, Black Twitter has is they are persistent. So we can talk about one topic for the whole day. We will, ne- we will not let it go. Um, but with regards to the black face issue, there was uh, different viewpoints from different sides and then emerged on uh, one of the news feeds. So one of the journalists was following it, uh, the story, who broke the story and, and was following it quite intensely. So a lot of uh, people were engaging with, with that particular j- journalist at the time. And something that they, what they said was, you know, um, this blackface issue is it is it still um, is it some is it a huge issue? And a lot of uh, a lot of people on Black Twitter felt that you know what kind of a question is this? Of course it's an issue. There shouldn't be a discussion on this. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of you also then had a few people kind of filtering in their opinion, saying uh, I'm a black person. I don't find this blackface incident uh, offensive at all. So you then, from there, you had people kind of debating with each other and fighting amongst each other about the whole whole issue. Um, and one thing we have is stamina. So we can take it well into the night, <laughs> an issue that we started talking about in the morning. Um, and that, and you know, you have, you have columns that come out of that. You have blog posts. Um, you have different things that come out of the various discussions that are held on there. And there actually is a blog dedicated to black Twitter news that you might not even be aware <laughs> really? of. Really? What is um, it called? Yeah. It's called blacktwitternews.blogspot.com. And what and kind of what kind of stories would I be able to get from Black Twitter News, Spongil? It's, I mean, there are there are popular personalities within Black Twitter, so we call them twilibs, uh, so to speak. Uh, basically, these Twitter celebrities, people who found a bit of fame on social media. It is a, a little bit of a lucrative uh, space, and basically, what um, why what is it Black lucrative? Twitter I need to hear it's lucrative because, you know, a lot of people have gotten um, writing gigs from, from being toilets. A lot of people have gotten jobs from, from being toilets, uh, whether it's handling social media accounts for different brands. A lot of people get invited to really nice parties <laughs> uh, oh. just on the title of being a Twitter celebrity. Um, and I must admit, I'm probably one of those people. <laughs> Sibongile, you know, are you like, confessing now? Now, I know, I'm confessing. Uh, it's been a few perks, I must say. I know that I know that none of us here are psychologists, but mm-hmm. I find it interesting, and I wonder if anybody else does find it interesting, the fact that Black Twitter has kind of sprung up as this thing on its own, and you don't get like Indian Twitter or colored Twitter, or you you know, it's like, mm. uh, how would you explain why Black Twitter? kind of like developed and became this voice, this big thing now? You know, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. And something that I've also kind of thought about for a while is in why do we need a black Twitter? Shouldn't, you know, Twitter be the space where we all go? Why must we isolate almost ourselves? Or why is it the special thing? Uh, but for me, the answer is, and, and I see it being part of it, is it's really just a space where people debate and speak their mind. And the black label is, you know, a majority of South Africans are black, and uh, you know, the the for, for South Africa, I think it's just uh, you, you can be fearless in that space. You can you can really get into things, get into the nitty gritty. And we, I mean, I found that a lot of news articles are based on things that um, are debated by Black Twitter online, and it's so funny. <laughs> the funny thing that I was thinking about the other day was. Um, we we talk about a, a topic on on Twitter and then it becomes a news story. And Such then as? The very give people, us an example. 
Um, and exactly, particularly around uh, celebrities. So well, the whole Jay Z and Solange incident that must was, have been wild. I mean, on Black I, I remember that was huge on Black Twitter. You know, the incident, the the elevator incident yeah. where mm-hmm. yeah. Solange just went going down, fuck wild on yeah. Jay Z. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, the the moment the story broke, and I think it broke. It Black doesn't sleep. So that's also one of it. It broke on TMZ, I think, on early morning. Yeah. And we were on it. We locked onto that story. There was a video which added, like, extra spice. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, you know, because Solange and Jay-Z and Beyonce particularly are royalty on Blackfoot. I mean, it, it, the day doesn't go past when we don't speak about them. Uh, there, there was this constant back and forth. The jokes came, the memes, uh, the, you know, the gifts, as well as the... Uh, kind of the serious side of it as well around issues around um, abuse and, you know, Solange really went into Jay-Z in that lift and we were kind of wondering what happened. So that went on for weeks and, uh, you know, the blog post came out, the columns, the think pieces, we like to call them, and we drive How a lot of How much can you really think about um, Solange and Jay-Z? Well, we <laughs> could go on for days. Did That's you see the can, memes? I, that I, I, did, I did, it was hysterical. <laughs> but... Here, here, yeah. here's what I would like to know. Um, you, somebody said to me, oh, Black Twitter, it's just an opportunity to be really mean to each other. Bitchy, yeah. bitch slaps. Huh. So yeah. you go to a party and the next thing, it's all over Black Twitter. Ay, what was oh. she wearing? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like she's like, so she's like this in real life, you know, profile pictures or deceiving, all of these things. <laughs> Um, and it can be. I mean, it's in no way a, a, a pretty space. It's messy. It's, um, it's full of like, you know, things you can learn and lots of ignorant stuff as well. Um, and, but I think essentially it's where people really can become themselves and just say what they feel. And, uh, there is a kind of a, I wouldn't call it, you know, there isn't the meanness of, of it as well, but there's also a telling it like it is. Uh, which is very refreshing, um, you know, because the internet itself is just a mess. I mean, from you know, comment section of a of a blog to uh, or a news site to social media, from Facebook to Twitter. Um, and I mean, the reason we keep coming back is because it's <laughs> it's interesting. Now, Swangilo, <laughs> what what would you say to somebody who who says, "But you know, why do you even need a black Twitter? It's so like it it's, it excludes other people, and you know, somebody might mm. look at it and think." Oh well, it's just another divisive element on top of a yeah. already a big problem that we have, you know, in this yeah. country with our history. And what would you say to that? But yeah, particularly in this country, I, I don't think it's exclusionary at all. Like I, you can, you don't have to be black to be part of Black Twitter. I don't think, <laughs> but there definitely is a line of conversation that happens there. I mean, the we talk about a lot of our experiences growing up, which we share similarities, you know, uh, you know, amongst each other. So there's a lot of learning that can happen. Um, a lot of uh, the black people that are on there talk about, you know, the different schools that they went to. And I mean, there was a lot of uh, the kind of experiences that they went through, which, which were pretty painful um, with regards to racism and, and all of that. And there's a learning, there's a sharing, um, something that perhaps we, we were excluded from before. So, I don't think for the most part uh, anything that happens on there excludes uh, white people, Indian people, colored people. Um, I think it's actually a place where can, they, can, they can also go have a bit of fun and, and, and learn something. And, and engage. The, and I mean, do white and people laugh. venture on there and say, you know, give their, their, their piece, their two cents worth? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, no, you do get some, some white people who get in there, yeah. you know, they'll... They'll joke along and then they'll talk about, oh, this, this kind of thing would never happen on white Twitter or something like that. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it doesn't have to be this serious thing all the time. No, there, not there at all. There are definitely some fun elements to it. Can I ask a lot of fun. you this? You, you, you gave us a little bit of a breakdown and analysis of three types of people that we should be perhaps um, <laughs> following on, on black Twitter. Mm-hmm. Who are those people? Tell us, those... tell us your categories. I love the category. Yeah, the categories are quite fun. Um, there are the tea spillers. Um, for those <laughs> who are wondering what the, the tea spillers are, it's basically the people who have the inside no, the gossip, the juice, I'd like to call it. Um, in Black Twitter, there's a term called, you know, spilling tea. It's basically spilling all the hot gossip. Um, there's also shade throwers. 
uh, you know, when you're throwing shade at someone, it's basically kind of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a spicy, I call the spicy bit of Twitter where you, you know, you're quite critical, but in a kind of a lighthearted, um, taking, you know, not taking yourself too seriously kind of, kind of space. And then there's the truth preachers, the people where, you know, you're in church and you bring your hand and you're like, yes, you preach. They basically <laughs> uh, lay it down for us and, and give us that knowledge, no. uh, which is always very important. God in the wild. Um, <laughs> My question is uh, f- my final question <laughs> because I have so many. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Do you think that because it's Twitter, there is that greater freedom to express things that perhaps, you know, I mean, that's what you find in social media. People will un- unleash their deepest, darkest thoughts. Is that freedom necessarily reflective of the truth or is it like exacerbated because you're on Twitter? Uh, I think it's, you know, a lot of the people on, on, on Twitter are, you know, they try to be as anonymous as possible. So you find they won't use their own photographs. They'll use, you know, like a bit of a pseudonym. Mm. Um, but for the most part, you know, you, someone will use either, you know, a pseudonym, but they'll have their, their own picture there. So there is a, an element of, you know, you just want a space to write what you really feel. Um, and, you know, that's what I enjoy about it, where, you know, you're not, you're not silenced anymore. Uh, so the honesty is refreshing and it's, it's very appealing. And I think that's why people keep coming back. That's why people are so curious about it. And we label it Black Twitter, uh, but it's, it's really just a kind of an open forum. You can kind of go wild and it's, it's not exaggerated. It's people's lived experiences as, as well. So, Go on there, go enjoy it. I mean, it's not a hashtag. It's not a hashtag Black Twitter. It just is, really. Um, and from we talk about things from sport to entertainment to politics to growing up to moaning about our moms and dads to moaning. So, about give our us some daddies. names of people that we should be following who are symbolic or emblematic oh. of the Black Twitter movement. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not in every nook and cranny of, uh, of Black Twitter. I, I wish I was, but. Uh, a couple of people that, that I do enjoy following and someone who I did mention in the in the article um, who I quoted a lot who also has a, a love-hate relationship with the term Black Twitter is uh, my very good friend Googs M. You can follow her there. Mbelase um, P is also one of my favorite uh, twi- uh, tweeters. He, oh, I love shame him. Throw. I just never <laughs> realized that he was uh, also... He's there. Hey. He's there. He, he's, got, he's, he's our man on the ground in white Twitter and black Twitter. Which yes, is he is. That's I thought he was one of mine. <laughs> he's like a spy. He manages to work in both camps. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's really great. Um, and one of my, also one of my favorites is, uh, someone who may not be as, as well known as he should be, but he's a great tea spiller, um, is I am Quezzy N. And he basically, every Sunday, he tweets what the Sunday tabloids have for us, and then we kind of uh, unpack all of that on on Black Twitter. So he's a great follow, um, as well as a couple of other people. Truth, truth preachers, uh, Kanye Sile is great, Ali? as well as my. <laughs> yes. Sorry, no, go ahead. That was my mistake. I'm sorry, I interrupted you very rudely, but carry on. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Kanye Sile is a, a great follow. She, uh, I call her the silent retweeter. She brings the most interesting stories and articles onto our timelines and then we kind of engage and debate on them. And then my favorite Sangoma, uh, Nox Sangoma, uh, a.k.a. Gogo, um, she calls herself, she is also a really wonderful follower. And she really is a Sangoma. That's what's so fascinating about that girl. <laughs> is, uh, she's incredibly beautiful, young. You would never know that she, she was she, also a Sangoma. Yeah, she's a new mom now as well. So she kind of, she drops in uh, every couple of days onto the timeline just to just to school all of us. On, uh, on what we're talking about. So she's great. All right. Swangula, thank you very much for your time this afternoon um, on everything that you might want to ask when it comes to Black Twitter, if you're not familiar with it. Um, I do have a tweet here. It says, oh, it's all going to the dogs. Uh, <laughs> next thing you'll be having Twitter for men and like old men, old women Twitter, old man Twitter. So, you know. But hey, this is the beauty with Twitter is you can take it anywhere you want to, I suppose. So thanks. Thank you very much for your time, Swangula. Th- thank you so much. All right, um, so we're also going to be chatting um, after the break. Diets, diets, weight loss, and nutrition because you know it is like we we are heading towards the end of winter and people are like stressed. Yeah, we are, and people have been going nuts over Noakes. 
People have been going nuts over Noakes. You know, either you are for Noakes or you're against him. I find it very rare that there are people who are kind of like in the gray area. And this is why we have our next guest okay. who we will be calling. But let's have a song. Yeah. Let's have a song. You know, let's, our throats are parched. Cliffcentral.com. I need your love. I need your time. When everything's wrong, you make it right. I feel so high. I come alive. I need to be free with you tonight. I need your love. Central.com. Okay, so um, this was between two femmes with Mabale Moloy and Aspasia Karras. And um, we're also talking diets, nutrition, exercise, weight loss, hashtag summer bodies. I'm and seeing the crazy banting. Yes. Question. Banting. Now, where, where do you stand on this question? Yeah. You have to have an opinion. The whole Tim Noakes thing. Yeah. There's just madness. That is the, that is the banting. You know what? It doesn't... Tim Noakes is the prophet, man. I'm not a scientist, <laughs> first of all. I'm going to put that out there. I'm not a scientist. For me, it does not make sense to take in a whole lot of saturated fats and then not expect that they're going to do some sort of damage into my body, whether it be clogging up my arteries or... And yet he has a lot of very well-developed research that shows that it doesn't. Yeah. That, in fact, it's completely... We've been fed, essentially... 
a bunch of bollocks. The truth of the matter is that, I don't know, subsequently to reading all this stuff, I've seen in, um, I go off to the various supermarkets who shall remain unnamed and look at all the like sort of low fat products. And what you see is that instead of what they've done is they've re- removed the fat and replaced it with sugar. Yes. Which I think is, is the most shocking thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, this is I why. Think we should sue someone. This is why <laughs> I invited our next guest who has joined us now, Litsi Khozulu. Um, she's a biokineticist by profession, so she knows a lot more than what I do. <laughs> and maybe a lot more than what you do as well, Aspasia. I hope so. But, um, <laughs> because I know nothing about biokinetics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a biokineticist, yes. your expertise, um, they include nutrition, exercise, um, it, it includes a whole broad spectrum of things. Physio. Right? I've yeah. got this terrible pain in my shoulder, which I've had for about two weeks. Don't see me. I blame the dog. <laughs> we can sort that out. Yes, my, however, my main focus is exercise because mm-hmm. um, we use e- e- exercise for rehabilitative purposes or for um, improving one's performance. But, yes, diet is part of the curriculum. And, um, yes, that's what we cover. And it's it's I must say it's quite overwhelming, the number of, Diets um, that are out there. Yeah. It's amazing what people go through, um, you know, to get that hot body. Mm. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people are misled. Um, if 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 you Google quickly, Google um, a diet, and um, you're desperate, mm. you will fall for what um, wh- what they prescribe. Because after all, this is a multi-billion-dollar industry, the Absolutely. weight loss industry. Absolutely. So we can't just take everything that gets fed to us yeah. as, you know, as the, the truth. I mean, they, they are ulterior motives in all of this as well. Absolutely. You know, I actually work alongside a doctor who's who also specializes in diet. And um, the first thing that I say to everybody before you embark on any diet out there, go and see your doctor, get blood tests to actually understand your personal, your individual um, um, physiology Mm. before you embark on a diet because you don't know whether you've got a sluggish metabolism. You don't know if you've got an underactive um, thyroid. You don't know what your specific individual, it needs to be specific and individualized. That's pretty much what I'm saying. So if Aspasia lost 10 kilograms from doing like uh, the soup diet, I can't just start, (laughs) you know, I can't just take on what she's been doing and and hope for the best. It might not work for me. Absolutely. You know, things like the soup diet and the cabbage soup diet, uh, yeah, cabbage soup diet, all sorts of diets. Um, How much soup can you drink? (laughs) Up until what point? You know, Um, drinking soup sounds just dreadful. <laughs> every day for every single meal. Yeah, it is I, just, I actually think that stuff is crazy. And I think that's what worries me is that I'm always scared of extreme diets, especially in this environment where we've got girls who have serious body issues. issues yeah. yeah. To start promoting ideas that are possibly dangerous, that might lead them into anorexia. I mean, I think it's very important I mean, I can't understand these people like Gwyneth Paltrow to name one. Who oh, she's on these insane, like sort of. <laughs> she's on that macrobiotic thing and doesn't eat anything for days on end with like sort of juices and cleanses and fasts and. But that's quite the thing. surprising, yeah. you know. Yeah, I always say to people, any diet that restricts a food group or certain foods. That's a clear indication that it's not quite right for you. But carbs are evil. No, absolutely. <laughs> See, absolutely. That's what we've been brainwashed into thinking. <laughs> well, Too much here carbs. Here is what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he also says you must do exactly what you said. Uh, Noakes, that is. Mm. Said you must actually understand who you are in this, um, what your, phys- your actual physical ailments are. Mm. So he's not mm. saying carb-free for everyone. He said that he specifically in his own um metabolic and physical makeup yes. had carb intolerance and what it was resulting in. And, and here's the question. I mean, this is a man who ran a lot mm-hmm. and, but still had, um, insulin problems, all sorts of things. And so I, I, I find him incredibly convincing when you listen to him, but he's also not saying everybody stay off the carbs. Mm-hmm. He's saying you must look at your specific, some people, can eat carbs and it won't impact on them in any way. Absolutely. And, and if you, if, if people take it back to the beginning of Tim Noakes, um, coming up with this revolutionary diet, it was based on 
him being a pre-diabetic and treating mm. himself. So for everyone to jump on it, um, it really worries me. It really, really worries me. Go see your doctor. That's my message that I want to push out today. And we do have a doctor who we will get online, hopefully. Yes, um, no, we, we're going to Dr. Layla. Um, Layla Hartford. Layla Hartford, And what yeah. she said, I mean, because one of the big critiques, and that's why I thought it was so interesting to have her, is that something like the banting, if you look at the Real Meal Revolution book, mm-hmm. the kind of food that it calls for is actually quite pricey. Well, what kind of food is it? I mean, we're talking what here, like bacon for breakfast? Uh, like, what, well, what kind of eggs, food are we lots of eggs. Um, the, the, the implication is that the stuff can be expensive, especially if you go down the road of like all the almond um, mm. flour and stuff that you can only buy in specialist stores. That Salmon. So, so quite expensive stuff. And what was fascinating about Dr. Leila Hartford, who is a rural doctor, and she will tell us where, where precisely she's based, if she can declare that. But she said, okay, I hear you. I hear all this madness about, you know, cauliflower rice and this, and that there's a run on cauliflower in the woolies and what have you. What about poor people? Okay, so we've got Dr. Layla on the line now. Good afternoon, Dr. Layla. So uh, this banting thing, this Tim Noakes diet, is it affordable to to the everyday person? Well, Mbali, hi to you and to your listeners. Um, I think the, the answer to that isn't clear. I mean, I think the experiment that I did on myself was to see whether I could ban for two weeks using only 150 rand a week and I found that it was possible. And so why 150 rand specifically, Leila? Um, well, it, it was a calculation that I did and I know that it's not um, extremely accurate but I used census 2011 um, data and basically worked out what the average household income was in the area that I'm living in and then what the average expenditure on food is. And based on those um, statistics, I found that per person, um, the average expenditure in, in this district specifically was 150 rand. So I wanted to see whether I could stick to Tim Noakes' eating plan um, with, with just 150 rand a week. And what were your findings? Were you able to do that? I was able to do it, um, but I must say that it wasn't very easy um, it requires a lot of creativity and innovation um, or else you really do get bored of eating the same thing every day. And I have um, to say, I mean we're running the story in September and Leila has taken a picture of every meal that she cooked over the two weeks and I was amazed by how innovative you were with the baby marrow for example and the sweet <laughs> potato well, thank you. Tell us what, what, what were the basic elements of the diet? What were the things that you cooked with? Um, well, so it was quite limited, obviously, because of the budget. Um, I obviously had to keep a high amount of fat in the diet. So there were some things that I wasn't able to cut on. So I did use a lot of butter in everything that I cooked. Um, I didn't have any oil or any other um cooking materials like that. So then I mainly ate, in the first week I had chicken and I ate a lot of eggs over both both weeks. I had full cream milk. Um, I had some sweet potato and cabbages and some onions and a couple of chilies. And then in the second week I managed to buy some stewing beef and I decided to sort of venture into the world of offal, which is quite foreign to me. And so I tried both um, pork trotters and chicken livers. Yeah. Dr. Layla, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but w- when they talk about eating high fat, I mean, are they talking about eating fried chicken or are they talking about the good fats here? Just help me understand because this is where I get confused with this with this diet. Yeah, so high fat, we're talking about, I mean, things like butter, full cream milk, cream, um, yogurt, um, the well, that's plain sort of high-fat, double-thick yogurt um, as opposed to the flavored yogurts, which are often filled with sugar. Yeah. Um, things like fried chicken are often coated in flour and um, you're using 
sunflower oil or cooking oil, which is not exactly the kind of fat that, that you're looking for. But when for so long my doctor has been telling me to stay away from these kinds of fats because they will harm my arteries, how do you yeah. now, how do we now explain that, oh no, sorry, we had it wrong all along, actually go ahead and take in all the fats? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Mali, like, I think that the jury is still out on this and I think that Basically, as a nation and as a global society, there needs to be a lot more input and a lot more um, financial commitment from from governments and from you know multinationals into actually funding long term prospective trials into the effects of of fat and on nutrition and and the long term impact of it. So there have been some trials um, that have shown that Tim Noakes often quotes that have shown that there is very little difference that it makes in terms of your actual total blood cholesterol. Um, but then there are also some other trials that um, prove the opposite. So I think that we don't really know. Um, that's my opinion. Um, I know you said at the beginning of your show that you have to you know, sit on one side or the other. There is no gray zone. And I still think that I'm somewhere in that gray zone. Um, but I just feel that Leila. Obviously, where we're at now is a problem because yeah. obesity is just on the rise like it never has been before. That was my question. Did mm. you lose any weight doing this? The million-dollar question. I, I ate. I lost sort of just over almost two kgs, but that in was, two weeks. Yeah, but I think I think that's important to notice is that that you know you. You're losing a lot of body water in the initial weeks. Um, so I don't think that that was necessarily fat loss. Um, I think, yeah, it was mainly body water that you're losing. And then I think what's important to notice as well is that although I was able to cope over the two weeks, I definitely did eat less than what I was normally eating. Um, my portion sizes were a lot smaller, not more because I kept worrying that I would run out of food Um by the end of the week. So for me, it was a really amazing learning experience because in my life, I've been really privileged and I've never had to think about that before. I've never had to think, um, what about tomorrow? You know, what if I run out of food? Um, maybe I should keep, you know, this aside in case I don't have money to, to spend on food tomorrow. Um, so because of that, I, I was my total, um, the total calories that I was consuming was a lot less than what I usually do. Whereas um, you know, what Nose is saying is that you don't necessarily have to change the amount that you eat. It's more just what you eat. Now, Dr. Leila, you do work in a rural hospital. Uh, do you have some patients who you are now prescribing this way of eating to, this plan to, or some of them already doing that on their own? Um, we're fortunate enough at my hospital to have dietitians here, and um, the patients that I see who do have dietary problems are referred to the dietitians. Um, they usually up for a more balanced approach, and because of some of the, the problems with this diet. So I think that must be said, although that I was able to do it, it was not easy and it requires an entire mindset change, particularly for people who are very entrenched in certain customs around eating and certain ways of cooking. Um, so it really yeah, will require an entire mindset shift, um, which is very difficult to achieve overnight um, unless you're working day by day with the same patient, you know, and teaching them to cook in different ways. I think that's essentially what will be required if they wanted to take this on. And I think you make a very good point, which is really what always, like, worries me is that people are actually surviving on 150 rand a week, which is a very small amount of money. Sometimes even less. Sometimes even less. Yeah, that was the average. That was not the, the average. I mean, I could have done this on what the bottom 10% are, are, are using, and that's a lot less. And yet, and, and that is the sort of the vast majority of our country is surviving on, let's say, possibly an average of 150 rand a week on foodstuffs mm-hmm. per person. And yet we're still suffering with extreme obesity. So we have very little money to spend on food. But clearly something is going wrong because we are one of the most obese countries in the world. Exactly. The and and that, I think, is my main point. And that's why I say that like, as a nation, we really need to address this problem more from a public health perspective. I can give an example of, you know, in the early days of HIV when, 
there was a whole lot of education campaigns around condomization. Um, but education is not always enough. Um, you have to have the condoms actually available and accessible. And that was then shown to be, you know, much more effective. And and you can think of it in the same way with food. You know, you can tell people what they should and shouldn't be eating. You can tell them what the sugar content is in this, that, and the next thing. But it has to be presented in a way that's easy for people to understand and that there are obvious and easy accessible options so that we need to make it um, that, you know, healthy eating becomes the default choice. So it's easier to make those decisions. Obviously, it's still going to depend on the individual to decide what they what they consume. But um, we political drive to make decisions easier for people to make, and that's really what I learned at this process. And uh, um, yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're losing yeah, you. We're, we're losing, losing you, Leila. Hartford, but um, <laughs> but but thank you for your input this afternoon. Um, I think it is interesting because, you know, initially I was very much like dead set against this whole thing. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand it. But now I'm prepared to listen to people's, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to listen. Whereas before I was just like, no, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm just, I'm not even going to go there. But um I did read an article. um <clears throat> And this is the other problem is that there's so much conflicting information. And there was an article that I came across that said, generally speaking, um it would be easier for men to lose weight on this type of eating. Um, it's easier for them than it is for women. So, you know, they were kind of saying, women, just like put your, put your brakes on because, you know, it's not necessarily going to work for you. And I think this goes back to what you were saying, Litsiko, is you need to know how your physiology works. No, absolutely. And just to add on what you just said, men do generally lose weight much faster than women do. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've, got, they've got to What is that? <laughs> that is just so... <laughs> Unfair. They've got testosterone on their side, which we don't. Um, and and that how helps. does testosterone help? It helps to burn more fat. Yeah. Simple as that. Really? Simple as that. Yeah. I thought um, I thought it was because our bodies hold on to fat more than men's do because of that whole reproductive thing where our bodies are constantly yes, preparing themselves for absolutely birth. that as well. But but you'd also notice or realize that men also have um, they lay muscle easier. Um, so having yes, a higher, do, con- yeah, having a higher content of muscle helps yeah. to actually burn fat. Okay. So the more mobile your muscle, so it doesn't make sense are. to do more weight training Absolutely. than, uh, cardio. Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? You need a balance. What is the balance? But what is the ideal balance? Okay. Tell us, listen. <laughs> we need answers. We need these answers. So, so firstly, I run a weight loss clinic with, with the doctor that I work with, Dr. Goulet. And, um, it always depends on who walks through the door. So if you have, say, a woman, um, my height, which is 1.63, who weighs, say, 80 kgs, they ideally need to be in their 50s. So they've mm. got quite a bit to lose. Okay. That type of woman, I would give her 70% cardio, 30% weight training. Okay. But specific training. And then would you adjust that over time? Yes. As, as they, as, lose, as the they lose the weight, then I adjust it. So someone like me with my body structure. Um, you are very petite. <laughs> I'm very petite. You're very tiny. I, as much she as really I'm a, is. Yeah. As much and as she's I'm a wearing robot. a very cute um, Adidas outfit. And, and she's no. making uh, sports look <laughs> Did you just come from super stylish. Did you just come from gym? Absolutely. You're going to make me feel better. My, of, my office is in the gym anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you're a runner. I'm a runner. Me I'm too. I'm a runner. I'm a mountain biker as well. Okay. And um, so I do already do a high level or high amount of, of cardio as it is. Okay. But in order to keep fat at bay... I do strength training. Okay. So oh, that that's I can interesting. Hold muscle. Is there or are there How a many number? times a week should yeah. Is that what you're asking? Let me give you a picture of what sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting excited. I know, me too. Um for myself personally or for the general For a general less. For a general less, um three times a week. Running. Is that enough? Strength training. Oh, strength training strength three training times a week. And then the other days you're supposed to be doing cardio. Yeah, but words. don't train every day. You're going to exhaust yourself and you're going to injure yourself as well. But now this is what I was going to ask you is um, because, you know, some people say, you know, your body should be moving every single day. It's mm. what it was designed for. Absolutely. So when they say that you shouldn't be training every day, you know, some people say, no, that's rubbish, man. Your body's designed to move. So it's fine. Go and, ahead and train. And that's just it. movement every day. 
is perfect. Okay. But strenuous movement every day is detrimental to you. Okay. So if, say for example, you're going for a 10K run on the Monday, Tuesday do a strength session, Wednesday go for a Zumba class, Thursday go for a swim, that type of thing. Variety. Okay. All right. Okay. And different training intensities as well. So if you mix it up and you're not pushing yourself to the extreme every single day, you, you could do an activity a day. Just Absolutely. To, just, to, just for fun. But now I've read research that shows that it doesn't matter how much exercise you're doing, it truly is what you're putting in your mouth Absolutely. that's going to make a difference. I always say to, I mean, I often get emails from people or Facebook messages or Twitter questions where people say to me, listen, um, I've got this pooch. I'm not very big. I'm actually quite tiny, but I've got a pooch that I need to work on or umkaba, yes. you know, um, in vernac. Um, how I love that vernac. <laughs> and the vernac. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I need to go to a wedding in a month's time. How do I mm. get this down? And I'm like, what are you eating? Yeah. I'm not going to give you sit-ups for you to work on that stomach. Great abs are made in the kitchen. Simple as that. Can you spot reduce fat? So, for no. example, if I want to shrink just my butt, <laughs> no. which I'm always fighting with, I can't just shrink my butt. Hey, it's got, it, it has to be a, it has to be the full body weight loss. It needs thing. to be a full yeah. body yeah, workout. My concern with that is that you shrink the butt, then you shrink the boobs. I know. <laughs> it just all goes. You're like, uh, can't we target them? I know. This is what I'm the, Here's the innovation of the padded bra. <laughs> Is that is that all we can rely on? The padding of the bra. Yeah. Or you or you could get some surgical help, you know, Absolutely. if you're willing to go the shortcut, the real shortcut. We've had that now, conversation right here. Let me let me ask you, what what is it about winter that just makes us so relaxed and all our discipline soup. the soup diet. All our discipline goes straight out the window. I'm talking I'm speaking generally here. Yeah, just, yeah. It goes out the window, you become comfortable and relaxed, you're eating all the wrong things. All of a sudden it's been two weeks since you were last in gym. And then come this time of the year, you're like, Oh my gosh, spring <laughs> is just around the corner. I need I need help fast. But you know what? That's the thing with winter. It's cold. Yeah. People want to cover up. So to say to someone, Come, let's go for a run. They think, oh my gosh, I'm going to freeze. But people tend to forget that there's winter training gear. Yeah. And the delights of winter is that it's actually very pleasant to run in it winter. It is, because summer, 30, 30 degrees, 35 degrees, it's way too hot for you to be training out there. There's heat stroke. So in essence, you really should be training right through winter. But what I object to are those magazine. I never put this on the cover yeah. of Marie Claire. Yeah. They're like sort of 10 days to bikini perfect. Yeah, I find that stuff mm. completely unethical, in fact. Is that very dangerous? It's ep- extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um, like I said, crash diets are exactly that. They will crash you. Mm-hmm. Um, anything where you need to now start eating plain toast with black coffee, that's not normal. Eating and exercise needs to be a lifestyle for you. Um, you can't, these crash things will do exactly that. You'll, as, as, um, the doctor mentioned earlier, we, we lose a lot of water mm. at first. Mm. And the thing is, you can't be on that crash diet for too long. How much soup can you eat? How much plain toast with black coffee can you eat? Yeah. The minute you go back to healthy eating habits, um, or, or eating normally, if I may put it that way, that weight will come back and it'll come back twice, if not triple. It's now, a terrible thing. What about these cheat days that some people also like to advocate? Because my problem is, if I allow myself a cheat day on Sunday, the next thing I know it's Wednesday and I'm still cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And they say you can have one cheat day a week. But what, what, what is your stance on cheat days? That's the thing. You need to define what a cheat day is. Yeah. It actually shouldn't be a cheat day. It should be a treat day. Okay. What's the difference? Um, is it just a, like it's just a mental thing? We have a treat day every day in the office. <laughs> like, ah, it's tea time. Where is that chocolate? It's like, and it strikes everyone at exactly the same time. At three, it's like, where is the chocolate? There are women like sort of trawling around the office with like crazed looks in their eyes yeah. going, the chocolate, the chocolate. <laughs> and you know what? Self-control, that's our biggest problem. Yeah. Self-control. Um, for you to walk down the aisle at your supermarket, 
um, if not walking not to the not walking to the till. <laughs> okay, walking to the till, and all those chocolates and sweets are popping at you. Yeah, I'm a- actually able to walk right past those because that's not what I need. And you can see she can walk right past them as well. That's what's like really heartbreaking. So you need to train yourself. Yeah. Eat before it's you go to the supermarket. It over is over matter. Absolutely. Over the, the vinac. What yeah. was the thing in vinac? Umkaba. Umkaba. Yeah. But your soto is pretty impressive, I must Thanks. say. Thanks. That Thanks. accent is on point. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's because I've been training myself. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, Diet, what you put into your body is the most important thing. And then the exercise bit comes late afterwards. Absolutely. And the basics with weight loss is you need to actually burn more calories than what you're taking in. Simple maths. If you're going to eat a burger, you need to be training for three hours. Oh, my word. Uh, here's my question. Yes. <laughs> Yet another one. Yes. The question is... Um, what about this diet, which is like 5-2 or whatever they call it? So you fast on two days. So you only take in 500 um, calories, calories. And the other days you can take in about 2,000, which is what I think one averages out on. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter. They also like quite like likes about what you eat. But essentially... You fast for two days, and it's a huge trend. I must I say, that's the first I've heard of it. It's the first. You see, yeah, it's yeah. because we've all gone banting mad in South Africa. In the UK, where I see a lot of lot of media, they're constantly talking about the fasting diet. Five two, they call it. You know what the problem is? The minute you start restricting your calories, your metabolism slows down. It slows down. It starts digesting the food slower. So then what happens is on the day when you then are taking in 2,000 calories, mm. your body breaks down that food very slower. slowly and the rest of it gets stored so as So even though, fat. I mean, there are all these like success stories involving the 5-2. But it's, I'm sure it's what all short-term. What do you think happens eventually? I'm sure it's all short-term weight loss, if not all, water loss. All these banting people, are they all going to go back into like sort of… But that's the thing. We wait and see. That's that's the thing. Um, this, the the diet has only been around for a short a short mm. amount of time. Let's see in the next five years how the banting people are. Like I'd love to see those reviews. And this is the thing: is in the weight loss industry, there's always going to be a new diet, absolutely, a brand new diet that's guaranteed to work because that's just how the industry work works. But I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up here, ladies. I know we could go on forever and ever because, you know, this is an ongoing topic. It's close to our thighs and our hearts. (laughs) It's so close to our thighs. The last thing I I want to say is everything in moderation when it comes to food. So just one block of chocolate. One block of chocolate, not the whole slab. Simple as that. Litsiko Zulu, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon here thank on Cliff Central. Thank, thank you. Thank and you to Leila, who we lost. Dr. Leila Hartford, who we lost on the line. But, um, you know, I think it, it was interesting what she said, that she was able to do the whole banting thing on a restricted uh, budget, because that's also an ongoing thing. The perception is that it's very expensive to eat healthy. It's middle class problems, banting. <laughs> I call them. <laughs> and thank MCPs. And thank you to you, Aspasia. And thank you to you, the <laughs> lovely Mabani. <laughs> oh, we're just so grateful. And we'll be back next week. Oh, no, wait. I'll be back next week. And I will be sending in a dispatch from afar. You're going to Greece. I am. Take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> to visit the parentals. Oh, still though. But we will be doing a sort of fashion dispatch from the fashion room. So that's, okay. that's very exciting. All right. So you'll hear me at one remove. So more between two fames next week, Thursday, one o'clock to two o'clock. This is cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.